0: Today's a big day at 680 CJOB, the Stories of Hope Radiothon in support of Silo Mission. And in this podcast, you'll hear from a couple of folks who work in Silos transition services. This is about helping people get back on their feet. Also today, there's a video going around of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau getting into it a little bit with a young person who has some interesting thoughts on women who, quote, sleep around and whether or not they should get an abortion. Racing for overland flooding on the fisher river we heard from a listener who lives in that region and boy oh boy the water is already rising fast this is exactly what they don't need after what they endured last year and the manitoba motorcycle ride for dad campaign kickoff is today i'm brett mcgarry alongside loren mcnab and greg mackling who's back on monday we are mackling mcgarry and mcnab and this is the friday april 14th podcast for the start It is McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back on Monday after his journey to Oxford House. We're looking forward to hearing what he experienced while he was there. Lots of exciting stuff to discuss today. The Whiteout Party announcement is coming. We're going to find out who won the $60 million. But, of course, today is a very important day here at 680 CJOB-Loren. It is the Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon.
1: It's such a great day to hear about what's going on in our community. And we know, I I think perhaps now more than ever, the need has never been so great, right? We've talked to Siloam so many times over the past year, along with other organizations who help those in need. And the need is great. The the use at the shelters rising, the use of people just needing some meals, a warm meal is on the rise. It's way up. And so it's the Siloam Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon that's going to run all day here on 680 CGOB. We've got several interviews this morning. And if you hear a story that compels you to donate, it's super simple to do. You can donate online at silomca slash radio, or you can call one 844 9 silom That's 1-844-974-5626. The goal is pretty, we can hit this goal, I think, no problem today, I hope,
0: Brett. $25,000 and all funds raised this year will be going to where it's needed most, whether that's serving 500 meals three times a day, providing one-on-one support to people working on finding homes, providing physical and mental health care, clothes, safe nights of shelter, or helping people move into their own place and exit homelessness. And at 735, we're going to speak to the manager of Transi- transition services, because it, it that's what's so wonderful about Siloam is... Yeah, they, sometimes you might just need that meal or sometimes you might just need a place to sleep for the night. But they, if you, you're looking to get back on your feet, they can help walk you through that entire process. And uh, we, we've spoken to so many people over the years who have become great success stories. And uh, it is indeed stories of hope. So we're going to hear much of that through the day.
1: Yeah, I'm looking forward to several of them. And a lot of these people who work for Salem or volunteer at Salem will join us throughout today. We're going to hear some clients. And we're going to talk about what you just mentioned, Brett, the idea of, of the goal is to help people transition off the streets, out of the shelter and into a home. And so we have several people who work in transition services, right? Getting people those, the stories of hope that give other people's hope come from the people who, who help to find somebody a home, whether that just starts with a one bedroom and moving on. Uh, lots of great success stories out of this today. So uh, don't Donate. You can donate anytime today. Donate now if you want to.
0: Siloam.ca slash radio. Also, we've got the sounds of the game coming up at 6 six eleven. Jets wrapped up their regular season last night. But at 11 o'clock today, we're going to find out just what they've got cooked up for the Whiteout.
1: Yeah, it's going to be a big, uh, couple of days. We don't know the playoff schedule yet, yet in the sense of, uh, what the dates will be for Winnipeg, but we know we are playing Vegas. I think that's what our listeners wanted overwhelmingly, Brett, when we did the scientific question of the day. So we're going to play the Golden Knights in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. The first game goes Tuesday. Uh, We're waiting to see when the the Games 3 and 4 will come to Winnipeg, but we're going to get those details, we hope, soon. And then at 11 o'clock, we'll find out how that party will go when those games do land here. And perhaps there will even be parties when the games are on the road. Maybe there'll be viewing parties and other things that we can do. But I'd love to know what people would like to see because it has been several years since we've been able to do this. And we talked yesterday about how we have... True North Square now, with the big screen that's already out there. There's sort of a little square we can set things up in. I, I don't know if that's where the party will be, if it'll be on the street, if we hopefully have so many that we have to do both, Brett. But I hope it's loud and we're out there uh, doing our thing.
0: Yeah, that'll be exciting to see the return of the whiteout party, and I'm very curious to see how that how it would look inside that True North Square. So details on that at 11, and at also at 11, we're going to find out who finds themselves 60 million dollars richer today
1: and it says i and if i'm reading that news release correctly the the winners it was a plural so Uh is there is it a couple is it a family is it a workplace scenario we're gonna have to have that whole great debate again where i don't participate in the lotto and then this will be the day where i remember that i have to it's not you guys is it are you about to tell me that you and the like, I feel like I'm about to learn the hard way. Just participate, Loren. Come on.
0: Yeah. Can you imagine? Uh, no. A, not being in on the pool, and then B, getting that, uh, that email from the boss saying, uh, we, we now wish uh, the best future endeavors to 35 of our fellow coworkers.
1: Oh, my gosh. I've <laughs> all walked out. I just all I know it says meet the March thirty first winners okay at a news conference and check presentation so there's more than one
0: okay I can tell you it wasn't us because the person who coordinated (laughs) our the person who coordinated our work lottery is gone so the the, actually because
1: she won. Oh, they won. Oh. They're on their way. <laughs> yeah, that's why they're gone. They're gone, Brett. Like, read the room. She—they took your money.
0: <laughs> I'll, I'll find you. So <laughs> details at eleven o'clock. It is McGarry and McNabb Mackling back on Monday after heading up to Oxford House yesterday with a couple of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Looking forward to hearing about that. And in a moment, we are looking forward to sharing this must-hear audio from the Prime Minister speaking with a young Manitoban. Uh, about women's rights but before that we were talking just this past half hour about the overland the high water alert and how some areas in manitoba could see some flooding today and uh, loren i understand you've been on the phone trying to get some people on the show today what have you heard
1: well we're talking about areas of concern of course east of winnipeg into the white shell we had cottagers last year who really got hit hard but the hardest hit of all is the community of Peguis First Nation where hundreds, hundreds were evacuated last year. And they're talking today that the concern is the Fisher River itself could exceed its banks this weekend. And so they have put out that flood watch. And I reached out to some evacuees that we spoke to a year ago uh, in, in late April, early May, when that community first had to evacuate so many. And one of them now is just telling me, you know, she thanks me for my thoughts, but she also wanted to point out that she's still in a hotel one year later, in her words, it's their seventh hotel. um, And it's been hard, and that they have had no repairs to their home yet. So they're really hoping that they can get those repairs done that they have flood cleanup and preparation for the next time this happens, which could be this early as this weekend. So it's hard to believe a year has passed and this woman and her son are still in hotel. And I just thought I wanted to share that with our listeners because um, I, I really didn't know that we still had people out like that.
0: That's just that that's terrible to hear. So thanks for getting that update and we'll keep an eye on this situation. Hopefully the you know, this is a this is an instance where we want the forecast to be wrong. Um, also today, big day on CJOB, the Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon officially gets underway at 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. on CJOB, as well as on Power 97 and Peggy at 991. But you can donate online at siloam.ca slash radio, or you can call 1-844-9-SILOAM. That's one 844 974 5626. The fundraising goal for today is $25,000. And just to give you an example, $25,000 is the equivalent of more than 6,300 hot meals served in the Silo Mission kitchen. So your generosity is all too important today. Right now, we want to get to a piece of audio. It's a video that's been making the rounds on social media and get your thoughts.
1: So it involves a young man who got into an exchange with the prime minister when Justin Trudeau was at the University of Manitoba earlier this week. The U of M was one of his stops uh, along his tour. And it's not clear if the person is a student at the U of M. He, he could even be, you know, younger than university age. But he does say he's more of a supporter of the People's Party of Canada. And he and Trudeau had a bit of back and forth on abortion rights. The comments themselves, I do have some thoughts on, but it also caught my attention. And Brett, you and I remarked about it because not because of the politics, not because of which party a person is affiliated with, but just because of the tone of this exchange.
2: Our our dental program uh, that is going to help low-income families be able to send their kids to the dentist. Would you support that? Um, I'm not fully into it. I just know. you you don't think? I'm for sure. I'm against support. Hang on, hang on. on. We'll put that aside for a second. You don't think low-income families should have access to dental care? yeah, I think they should. You think they should? Yeah. To well, here, Polyev and the Conservative Party voted against that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's so already you see the party you support, <laughs> the, the party you support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Doesn't. Uh, I'm not I'm More PPC. More PPC. Yeah. Okay. So why is that? Why are you PPC? I think you are mostly Christian. I think I'm against the vacuum. Mm-hmm. Right, no. so, yeah. are mostly Christian, so so yeah, you yeah, don't think, think we should be supporting Muslims? No, I think I support everyone. You should support everyone. I think mainly liberal abortion is against Christianity. I think a but, lot of but Okay. You, you, you okay. To, do you think do you think that women should have the right to choose what happens to their own bodies? Yeah. Personally, no. No. You think you think you should be able to choose what happens to a woman's body? <laughs> well, I think if they're sleeping around, they shouldn't be allowed to no, abort right. the baby. Personally, wow. I'm pro-choice. Wow. wow. No. Oh wait. You you just you're pro-choice. No, no. 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 You're no. pro-choice. No. No. You're not pro-choice. I'm pro. What's the Pro-life. Okay. Pro-life. Yeah. And and you don't think women should be able to make choices what they do with their bodies? With abortion, no. Personally, no. Why no, not? Why not? because it was their choice to sleep around. To no, no, no. So, that is, oh, so, so, so uh, a woman who is raped should be able to that, get an abortion? Uh, I'd say that. So sure, that's where it gets complicated. No, it gets complicated. no, it doesn't get complicated. But that's it's like that yes or no. That's she's super stupid example. So no, no, 5%. no. But it's, it's an all too common example. Like if right? You, Women get raped all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and it's it's something we have to take seriously. Yeah. But 95. So, so no, no. I'm so guy, let's yeah. talk about that specific okay, example. So should yeah. a woman who was raped be able to get an abortion? Uh, no, I'm split no, on it. But I think. Well, 95... No, no, no. If, if, you are you are you are not in favor of saying yes. A woman who was raped should get should be able to choose. Uh, to
3: not bear that child, that uh, but is, uh, I honestly don't know. Uh, it sounds like you need to do a little more thing yeah, and, and a little more praying on it as
1: well. So, first of all, let's just address the exchange itself. The student has clearly has an opinion. Trudeau obviously has one. They go back and forth. There's no yelling or pointing fingers per se. It was civil. And look, this is a young man; could even be a teen. So, you know, he. Maybe he went there for a reason to confront Trudeau. We don't know what his intent was. They're all carrying cameras and, you know, taking videos of one another, but he has an opinion. And the tone from E, I appreciated it from Trudeau. It sounded like a <clears throat> disappointed father talking to his son, or maybe a teacher to a student, as one person pointed out on Twitter. So I, I, I appreciated the exchange for that reason, and then was supremely annoyed at the comments. If you didn't hear it in there, the young man doesn't think women should have access to abortion, quote, if they're sleeping around. And I know he's young, Brett, hopefully he will learn. But I had really hoped that the next generation was far more enlightened than what I had to go through and hear when I was in my teens and 20s. You know, I thought we were done with this whole idea of shaming women for having sex. Like who does he think she's quote sleeping around with? Who is she sleeping around with? How is she getting pregnant? It takes two to quote sleep around. And the attitude that it's this women's problem in 2023 is supremely frustrating. It's a bit of the shaming that went on years ago and I can't stand it, but I do like this exchange and I hope, I don't know there's going to be someone out there who says this is staged or whatever. I don't know. I hope the people around there who heard that woke up and had maybe a slightly different thought this morning because there was a lot said in there in a short period of time, and uh, I appreciated it.
0: If you want to see it, go to cjob.com. It was filmed by Reddit user at Noah from Canada. Um, just in case, you know, some of the audio was maybe a little muddled in there because there's a lot of people around and and it's being shot from behind the young person that the prime minister was speaking to. But it, but indeed, you know, that that mentality, uh, I was shocked to hear that as well, to hear this young person say that. I mean, that's something that that was the mentality when I was a teenager, that if, if a woman... Slept around that—that that she was uh, a certain type of person. But if guys slept around, it was something to to hand out high fives for. And uh, and I never quite understood that. I've never gotten behind that. And uh, the fact that it's still an attitude that remains, I just I, I don't get it. I don't. I I. I it's really frustrating. And it, it, at least the it sounds like this young person isn't locked in with. His thoughts, right? Because you could hear him almost waffling. I think he went in, it sounded like he maybe just went in with this sort of preconceived notion and maybe he'd, he'd shoot his mouth off at the prime minister and once faced with the idea that he has to actually stop and think about what he's saying, that maybe there's some some room to, to learn and, and to, you know, as the prime minister suggested, maybe you need to do a little bit more thinking on that
1: yeah and I think that that I, I'm hoping that that's what who's that kid is waking up this morning thinking that I mean again n- not just the shaming about sleeping around should be eradicated but it's her body and it's my right to do what I want with it so there
0: <laughs> <What>? <laughs> weigh in though please at 204-780-6868 and again you can see that video at cjob.com It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back on Monday. It is the Siloam Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon today. And you can donate online at siloam.ca slash radio or call 1-844-9-SILOAM. That's one 844 974 Five six two six. The goal for the day is $25,000 and it's all about helping people and that's what we want to talk about right now. We do have tickets to give away. We've got a pair of tickets for Krista Berg at the Centennial Concert Hall Saturday, April 29th. And we just want to ask you a simple question. What's the time that you helped a stranger that you just, you, and it doesn't have to be uh, somebody who is a uh, part of a vulnerable community. It could just be a random thing, you know, helping somebody as you're just walking to work or whatever. 204-780-6868. Let's go around the horn here. Cameron Poitras in studio with me. What, let's start with you, sir. Uh,
4: well, this is when I'm, I'm waiting to cash in. That's why I help people just so that I can eventually get favors. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, my buddy, uh <laughs> Of gas, uh, and he gave me a call, and he's like, "Man, I'm on Henderson. Can you come and pick me up?" I was like, "All right, I'll come get you." Um, and so I, I like to cut it close, Loren McNabb I, I, I know you like to cut it close too when it comes to the gas. Uh, you try to extend it to the last, uh, oh, the shit. last drop. Absolutely, it's a, it's a fun game. It's a great game to play. And so um, because I did that for my buddy Luke, I keep in the back of my mind that man, if I'm if I'm getting close. I'm getting close. I can. I, I'm. I'm holding on to that favor that he's going to be the first person that I call. Um, but yeah, it's just. Yeah, I, I try to. If my buddies ever need help or anything like that, I'm.
0: I'm. I'm happy to help. So hang on. You're. You're. You're risking running out of gas just so you can cash not, that in. I'm
4: not risking it on purpose. I'm just <laughs> saying that if listen, I. I have this. It's my fail safe. If things go awry, <laughs> Luke's getting a call to come and get me. <laughs> Because I did it for him back when, so I'm holding on to the favor, and I'm just keeping the back of my mind. I run out of gas, all it's right? It's an IOU. Owe he yeah, owes you. Exactly. Yeah. Luke, if you're listening right now, yeah. if I'm running out of gas, you're going to get a call. I don't care what you're doing, Luke. Get out of bed. Exactly.
3: Can help camp. Come and get me. Did Luke reimburse you, or are you going to get a free tank I of would gas? never, ever ask. So so whenever you're like down on your luck, you know, like if you lose it all on the Jets in game one... <laughs> Oh, yeah. Now you got a free tank of gas from Luke. There you go. That's <laughs> Yeah, that's a good way to look at it.
0: Game one on Tuesday, by the way, in Vegas. Skyler Peters, what about you?
3: uh i uh similar to cams i i always uh love you know giving the the guys or girls rides uh if they're going downtown for you know an event and maybe having a couple beverages uh that kind of thing because the uh, same thing like you can cash in a bit later but uh less selfishly uh i really enjoy shoveling like it's just like very therapeutic for me i know some people are like that with mowing the lawn and and shoveling and stuff like that like i just love you know cleaning things up and getting it out of the way so when the snow falls at my old apartment i would you know do my little walk which takes like two and a half minutes and then i just kind of go down the the bigger sidewalk and until i kind of get tired or run out of time and have to do something else um you know i think everyone that i lived around was all fine with trudging through the snow nobody really had mobility issues and stuff but um it's always nicer just to walk on some bare pavement and, and stuff like that so uh, i did it more for me than anybody but uh you know i'm, I'm sure uh, it was probably appreciated so that's uh, the first thing that popped into my mind
0: yeah for me it's it would be winter related to um Anytime I, if I, if I can, uh, if somebody's stuck in the snow, I will always try to step up and, and help push them out. Even if I'm wearing like right now, I'm wearing my Blundstone boots and uh, there have been times where I try to they, where I try to, to help people in their cars while I'm wearing these stupid boots and they are useless in the winter. So that's uh, actually kind of scary, but I'll still give it a shot uh, because you never it, it, it like cashing in the favor, so to speak. If you put that out into the world, hopefully somebody helps you uh, when you get stuck. Um, Loren, what about you?
1: what you put out there you hope to get back right and and whether you believe in karma or not i think that drives a lot of us to just say you know what if if i'm ever in this situation i want someone to have to do the same for me i'm always surprised you know whether i'm surprised when good things happen to me in terms of people going out of their way and also when you do something nice for someone i'll never forget we were working downtown when i was with global tv and uh photographer randall and i found someone's wallet on the ground and so we opened it up and there was money and cards and all sorts of things in it and uh uh uh, you know, you looked at the ID and found a name. And so I googled the name. And then we found out where he worked. He's actually was visiting from Calgary. And then they put me in touch with him. And we eventually got his wallet back to him hours later in the day. And he was so in awe, like he over and over again with like, please let me give you something, please take something, I can't believe you did this. And he kept saying, I can't believe you did this, to which was kind of upsetting, because I, it makes you think, why is someone so shocked when good things when strangers do favors for them? Like, isn't that what, what 95% of people would do with would be to try to return someone's wallet. I'd like to think. No, I, I lost
3: my wallet about a month ago, and if someone's out there with a you know a wallet that says Skylar <laughs> Peters in it, the cards are canceled. All right, but uh, clearly I didn't shovel enough this winter because I <laughs> Haven't. Seen I mean, it.
1: it it might not have been found, but I yeah. I just I feel like I feel like most people you pick that up. I guess there's going to be those that take the cash; and they might need it, have at it. But most people don't even have cash in their wallets anymore, and so you know that that's going to be a stress for that person to replace all those things. But I really, I really am surprised when people do are are so in shock of a, the kindness of a stranger.
0: No, that's a good point. Uh, you know, it, it just sort of speaks to perhaps where we're at. Like that, we we just expect the worst and hope for the best. Uh, Jeff Forte, what about you? Well, I'm about to tarnish my bad boy reputation.
4: <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> so that's, that is a long
3: reputation.
4: <laughs> Goes all the way back to
3: high school. Oh yeah, bad boy right here. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. I don't have a <laughs> bad boy reputation. Uh, but uh, no, for me, it's it's simple things. Like uh, a few weeks ago, I was at Seven Eleven. I was buying a lottery ticket, which obviously I. Oh, what didn't are you doing win. at eleven a.m. <laughs> Trust me, I wish. I really wish. No, but I was at Seven Eleven, and uh, an el- elderly lady is uh, behind me, and she was like, I need to put air in my tire, and I don't know how to do it. And so I went, helped her out, pumped air in her tire, and she tried giving me $10. And I was like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not going to take $10 for, like, two seconds of work. It, like, it, it just, you know, be kind. Be nice. That's great. And I was hoping that, you know, I would have some goodness come on to me and win that lottery, which <laughs> yeah. just didn't happen.
0: <laughs> and again that announcement at 11 a.m. that Skyler Peters was referring to is when the 60 million dollar winner shall be unveiled at the same time as the whiteout party announcement at 11 o'clock so here's what we need from you at 204-780-6868 just tell us about a time you helped somebody uh, whether it was just a random thing on the street or maybe you, you, you had to spring into action in, in sort of greater detail like uh, Cam having to run out and gas up his buddy's car <laughs> Today is the Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon. Now, to donate, you can call 1-844-9-SILOAM. That's 1-844-974-5626. Or go to silomca slash radio. Now, the goal today is $25,000. And just some context on that, $25,000 is the equivalent of more than 6,300 hot meals served in their kitchen.
1: And it's also the equivalent of more than 80 move out kits to help people set up their new homes. And we're joined now by Lindsay Enns, who is the manager of transition services at Silo Mission. Good morning, Lindsay. Good morning. So thanks for joining us early and to share a bit more about what you do, because I think people are really familiar with the idea of helping those who might be vulnerable or on the street have a a temporary place to lay their head or a meal, but you're really working for that permanent change. And so tell us a bit, what, what is transition services? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so my uh,
5: my job is to support a team of key- caseworkers who um, help people who have been experiencing uh, homelessness for at least six months or more to be able to find a home and to keep that home and to make it not just a house, but really a place that they feel comfortable in and in a community that they feel comfortable in. So um, we build long-term relationships with folks and um, look at what they're looking to achieve in their life, what kind of goals they're setting, and uh, help them break those goals down into small steps and work towards achieving them.
0: So is there a standard set of steps that you take with helping people or is it sort of customized to each person based on their individual needs?
5: It's a bit of both, actually. Um, We are a very person-centered program, so we look at each individual as, as an individual and know that every person has different plans and goals for their life. Sometimes when we're helping people to find housing, it's um, they want to you know live on their own, they want to live in a different neighbourhood away from the core, and um, other times we're supporting people who want to live with others. They don't want to live alone. They know that um, that wouldn't be good for their mental health or their physical health or, or those kinds of things. So definitely it's a person-centred approach, but we also follow uh, a housing-first philosophy, and person-centred is part of that. But really the understanding that everyone is deserving of housing and there's no pre-requirements for housing readiness. So it doesn't matter right now if a person has employment or not, if they are struggling with um, some sort of substance use or their mental health or any of those things. We believe that all people are ready for housing. We just got to find the right fit and then support them. And that as they have that support, that um, security of a place to go and have their basic needs met, then they start to be able to to think about what might come next and um, to think of things that would improve their quality of life.
1: What have you seen with that as a result, Lindsay, because I think that's such a great approach and this idea that you would expect someone to get a job first and then find the house or, you know, um, right. kick the habit and all these things seem ridiculous. How do you make concrete changes if you cannot have a don't have a place to sleep at night or if you don't have a, a warm meal? I mean, it seems irrational. And so the housing that's first strategy right. makes sense to me. And I'm, I'm curious then what you see when you find that person, that one bedroom or the house to live with friends, what sort of stories of hope emerge out of that?
5: Yeah, so we have had um, the privilege of walking alongside people who have made some really significant changes in their life. Uh, we supported an individual who had um, experienced several overdoses in um, in our drop-in and in our community, and um, had lost a previous housing situation just because it, things weren't manageable in his life at the time. And um, with some support and getting into housing in a very different neighborhood. It's really been the turning point for him. Uh, he's reestablished a relationship that was important in his life. When we go to visit, they are really making their house a home. They have plants that are thriving. They have, um, you know, their health is good. They've been going to see their doctors and, and um, being able to cook food that really meets their dietary requirements. Um, it's really wonderful to see that they're, they're starting to thrive and not just survive.
0: We mentioned those move-out kits. What's in those? Mm-hmm.
5: So, you know, if you are, maybe when you first went off to university or college or something like that, you kind of start off with not much of anything. It's, it's like that for many of our folks. Um, they've often lost everything by the time they end up in a, staying in a shelter for homelessness. And so we want to be able to start them off with the basic tools that they need. So things like bedding, um, cleaning supplies, some basic dishes and pots and pans, small appliances like coffee makers and toasters, uh, even microwaves. And uh, we also then work with local furniture banks and stuff to get them set up with that. But the move-out kits are specifically those smaller household items that you would maybe put in your kitchen or, or um, your bedroom that help to, again, just provide some of those comforts. We also are able to do some startup food because um, when you're first starting out again, if you've got nothing to put in your cupboard, it doesn't feel very homey. But if you can start with putting a box or two of groceries into your cupboard and fridge, uh, it starts to feel like home a lot faster.
1: I'm sure there's all sorts of uh, different journeys for people. And it might be immediate to quote-unquote success, Lindsay, when they, when they move into their new place. So there might be, you know, some challenges along the way. So I'm curious, you know, if it doesn't work out, say someone falls back onto the street or, or, or other, what happens then? How do you deal with that?
5: Yeah, certainly there is as much um, rehousing as there is housing. So uh, that's what we use uh, as a term when we have to help someone find housing again. So um, we support people all the way through the journey. So it doesn't matter if something has happened and that housing relationship has broke down. We do our best to repair relationships with landlords and also then to help that person find a new place that um, that can meet their needs. So we take a look at you know what happened in that placement. Was there was there something about the location or or um, was it because they were too far away from the resources that they're used to or whatever kind of factors it was, and then try to plan around um, accommodating for those things in the future.
0: Our guest is Lindsay ends manager of transition services at silo mission. And Lindsay, if, if you work with somebody and it doesn't work out for whatever reason, they, they fall back to the street. How do you deal with that? Uh, like, how do you not take that home?
5: Well, um, it, you know, sometimes we do. Um, we I have a team of caseworkers who are are passionate and so um, so involved in in people's lives that sometimes it is really hard when we're working with somebody and there's a, there's a step back of some sort. But we also ride on on the history of the program in knowing that many times those step backs um, lead to many more steps forward. And so as a team, we support each other and uh, we keep keeping on for people. Sometimes someone has to borrow a bit of our hope while they don't have hope for themselves. And um, we work on on pulling out the strengths that they have in in themselves already that maybe they've kind of forgotten about or that haven't seemed like strengths because of the many trials and and troubles that they've been facing at the time.
1: Lindsay, I love the phrase you just used, borrowing hope. Sometimes our cup might not have anything in it, right? And you have to lean on someone else to say, tell me how I find hope in this.
5: Absolutely. I've had to do that for myself in my personal life from time mm-hmm. to time. I think we I all think,
1: have. I think that's lovely. Before we let you go, are you still in touch with any past clients? I'd like to think there's years that you invest sometimes that you might still have formed friendships out of all this. Yeah, for sure. I
5: am coming up on 12 years here at Ceylon myself. Um, so I've been a part of the casework program that entire time. And there are folks that come by once in a while to um, maybe pop in for a meal or just say hello. Um, occasionally someone needs help to like track down their tax information or something like that. So um, we have lots of contact with uh, previous graduated participants and um, we are able to do field trips actually where we invite them to come back and join us. And there's sort of this peer mentoring thing that happens naturally where people who have been through homelessness and been through um, just the startup of, of a new life are able to kind of coach and encourage those who are maybe closer to the beginning of that journey.
0: Lindsay Enns, Manager of Transition Services. Thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate the time and the insight.
5: You're welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: And once again, for the Siloam mission, Stories of Hope Radiothon. To donate, you can call 1-844-9-SILOAM. That's 1-844-974-5626 or go to siloam.ca slash radio. And it's just, it's so important to hear about this component of what Siloam does. Cause a lot of this is about dignity, right? Loren, like I remember, uh, this goes back to 2013 when I, when my life sort of changed, you know, I was in a relationship. My, the, I was engaged that ended. I had to sell my house. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I finally moved out of that house and moved back in temporarily with my buddy, Mike, I was putting the food that I had left back in the cupboard where, on the shelf that I used to occupy. Mm -hmm. And even in that moment, I just felt like I felt like I had no dignity. Like I I felt like a total failure, but I had, I still had a roof over my head. Um, So to imagine that it would be, things would be a lot worse. uh, it's It's a situation I just can't imagine being in. So I'm glad that we're doing this today so that we can help get these people back into a position where they can enjoy some success in life once more.
1: That's great perspective from you, Brett. Thank you for that. I think it's, you know, we can all relate to being having bad days, bad months, bad years. Um, But when you have a roof over your head to go home to, that makes a difference. It's at least something. And when you have nothing, you got to start from somewhere.
0: It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back on Monday. A reminder that today's a big day on 680 CJOB. It is the Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon. You can donate online at silo.ca/slash radio or call 1-844-9-Silo. That's 1-844-974-5626. And our goal for the day, Loren, is $25,000. That seems like a mark that we should be able to hit.
1: I want to hit it and then surpass it. So please keep in mind that, you know, the funds you raise help so many. You can serve hundreds of thousands of people meals, like $25,000. Well, that buys 6,300 hot meals that are served in their kitchen. $25,000, that gets them 80 move-out kits. And we talked to a transition services worker who helps people get into housing and those moving kits have all sorts of things like you know like the coffee and the food but also little appliances and and sheets and things that you need to get up and out and and into a home and so they do so much more than than I think what many people just think at face value at Siloam there's the shelter services of course but there's so much that goes beyond that so let's give siloam.ca slash radio or one 844 that's one
0: We will have many more stories of hope through the day, starting at nine o'clock. We've got stories to tell you at 9.05 and 9.35, and the Radiothon goes until 6 p.m. on 680 CJOB. Right now, we want to talk about how we've got overland flooding warnings for several areas of the province. Communities closer to Ontario could see 15 millimetres, maybe even 20 millimetres of rain.
1: Yeah, and timing is everything, right? So with the ground... Either partially frozen or already saturated with water, or both. You know, there are concerns that this rain might not have a place to go. So there's watches in place, E75. You heard Jeff Braun talk about that in the news. And also for communities along the Fisher River, which runs through Peguis and Fisher River First Nations. So Pegwis, of course, was the site of widespread flooding last year. Hundreds were evacuated for months on end. I actually spoke to one mom this morning who is still in a hotel because her home hasn't seen any repairs. That was the situation on Pegwith, so there's obviously concern for more flooding there. And then flooding last year on Fisher River created road access issues for people. So our next guest is a listener who texted this morning about what she observed and also lives in Fisher River Cree Nation. We say good morning to Kelly Selkirk. How's it going, Kelly?
6: Good morning. It's well, thank you.
1: Before we get into what you saw on the river in your community this morning, just tell us how flooding did impact uh, Fisher River last year, what you kind of had to go through.
6: Well, for sev- several, several days uh, last year during the flooding period, our, the roads, of course, uh, through Pegasus and Fisher River had multiple points that they were covered with water. Um, it erodes the road underneath, so it makes passage impossible. And then, of course, due to safety, sometimes they were forced to make a decision to close the roads completely. Um, so it means things like access to health care, for example. Um, I never realized how often the ambulances came to our communities until you had the uh the air ambulances landing several times a day
0: oh wow. what did what did you see on the Fisher River this morning?
6: So last night, I left the community for a few hours and I drove back around eight p m The water was noticeably higher um of course, you travel the Along the river, as you go through Pegwis and Fisher River, I live at the very end of Fisher River. It was noticeably higher, uh, but this morning when I drove out at 6 a.m., it, again, was even increasingly higher. Um, I know that in a couple spots there are causeways through Peguus. I There are culvert and gravel causeways. It seems like those were were taken out, Um I mean, there's still access on the other side, but it does force people, you know, longer routes to work and to school for sure.
1: So you're watching and hoping that that Fisher River, you know, the water stays as much as it can within the banks. But did you get any rain last night or or this morning out there?
6: Uh, We did get some rain last night. Um, We had our first thunder and lightning of the season as well, so it was noticeable. I don't think we got copious amounts of rain. Um, It was drizzling still when I left. I'm almost to the city now. I'm not sure if it's still raining. I know it's supposed to stop sometime this morning, though.
1: Before we let you go, Kelly, I know that, you know, unfortunately, this is just something so many Manitobans are used to in the spring, right? Having to deal with this. But just what goes through your mind when you hear of another watch in place for possibility of overland flooding in your community?
6: Yeah, for sure. The people in our community um, are used to this. Uh, Unfortunately, it is something that we just normally anticipate. Uh, We talk about, we try to get as ready as possible, but it happens very, very quickly, That overland flooding the river can rise we we didn't have a warning uh, as far as i understood uh for this spring until just you know very very recently um unfortunately like i said we've had decades and decades in in our specific area of people being forced to be environmental refugees within their own country and that's really really unfortunate
0: well, we thank you very much for joining us and for, for letting us know what you're seeing out there. Uh, and we'll keep our eyes on it as well through the day. Kelly, thank you so much.
6: You're very welcome. Have a good day.
0: Kelly Selkirk lives in Fisher River, Cree Nation, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on on that. And, and Kelly's right, like once that, that water starts rising, uh, it always amazes me how quickly it can go from basically zero to 60 in a blink.
1: And you have to remind yourself, it's get it gets said over and over again, but it's like when you pour a glass of water onto the table and how it's just so flat that it just keeps going and going and going. And that's what happens on our wide open prairies. And then I feel for her when she uses that term environmental refugees, when it happens over and over again, you start to feel like really permanent change needs to happen, right? In many of these communities. And that's been the talk around Fisher River and Empeguis for years. So we'll see what more we can learn about that. And just, can I just say big thank you to our listeners? You know, when they text in, when we ask them, what do you see? out there and they always they always respond and then to not just share what they're doing but to share their thoughts like she did, just did and hop on I don't think people wake up expecting to be on the radio when they text in and she did so uh, thanks to Kelly for that and to all our listeners Brent
0: indeed you are our eyes and ears we can't do what we do without you out there telling us what's going on because you know I'm in a studio at Portage in Maine looking down 30 floors up I can see what's going on, kind of, but we need you on the street to let us know what you're seeing. So text us anytime at 204-780-6868. It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back on Monday. It's an important day here on 680 CJOB. We're about to tell you about the kickoff of a very important campaign that happens every spring in Manitoba. But today on CJOB as well, it's the Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon. And you can donate online at siloam.ca slash radio or by calling 1-844-9-SILOAM. That's 1-844-974-5626. Loren, the campaign is $25. The goal is $25,000 for today. $25,000.
1: $25,000. And I really do hope we we knock that one out of the park because there's so much good that this money can do. We've been telling you about it all morning and we'll continue in our next hour. But just as a snapshot, $25,000 can help them serve more than 6,000 hot meals. In a year, and they have been serving more meals than ever before. So let's get that money going. 18449 Silom is the number, or silom.ca/ slash radio. Let's help them get to that goal of twenty-five thousand dollars.
0: More stories of hope starting at nine oh five. Right now, though, when you talk about things that you look forward to in spring, for the last few years, one of the tent poles of spring for me has become the Manitoba motorcycle ride for dad.
1: Yeah, it always kicks off around this time of year, and I think also with spring, uh, the sound of a motorcycle is something you didn't hear all winter, and it's nice to hear those engines rev up for the ride. And so this, of course, is a Canada-wide fundraiser for prostate cancer research and education. The fundraising campaign, not the motorcycles themselves per se, but the fundraising campaign kicks off today. And of course, the Manitoba spokesperson and co-founder is our Fred Edgeowner, who is also a cancer survivor. Good morning, Ed.
7: Good morning, guys.
1: So this is the fifteenth annual ride for Dad. Uh, I'm curious what what makes you want to continue just to be a part of this campaign, Ed.
7: Well, uh, you know, as you mentioned, I'm I am a prostate cancer survivor. Uh, I've lost my dad to prostate cancer. I've lost an uncle to prostate cancer. Uh, so it is a it is a a, a subject that's very uh, very close to me and and uh, has taken up uh, or filled my, filled my days with, uh, you know, a lot of thought.
0: Now, the campaign kicks off today. The event happens on Saturday, May 27th, with hundreds of, hundreds of motorcycles at Polo Park, and when the cannon goes off and all those bikes fire up, you know what, hang on a second, I think I might have, oh, it looks like this one's from 2019. So that's the sound of the bikes firing up, in, back in uh, 2019, so when I hear that and see that, I just think it's cool. But what are you feeling in that moment? Is, like, is it emotional for you? Extremely. Um, goosebumps, uh, my eyes well
7: up. Um, actually, that, that pretty much happens to me for the entire parade all the way out to Assiniboia Downs. But it's, it's emotional for all of us on the executive. And I'm sure it is for a lot of participants and, and a lot of people that line Portage Avenue and watch the parade, you know, there's people come out with signs now and, uh, you know, we miss you, dad, and, and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, other fellows with survivor signs that they hold over their heads. I mean, it's an extremely emotional time for everyone.
1: You outlined a bit of about why you do this, uh, Ed, in in your connection personally to prostate cancer, but also for your family members. And it just has me thinking about the prevalence of this type of cancer. I I mean, how many Manitobans or Canadians deal with this every year?
7: Well, one in eight Canadian men will get prostate cancer. Uh, It's estimated that 1.2 million Canadian men have prostate cancer and 80% of them don't even know it. Uh, early detection is critical in, in the fight against this disease. Um, and I'm a, I'm a living example of this. I was diagnosed uh, before I even had symptoms. Uh, so, and, and, and roughly uh, 90% of all cases that are detected early are treated successfully. So that's a big part of the message we're trying to get out to men is see your doctor regularly, get a PSA test, establish a number. So that if there's a change in that number, it sets up a red flag for your doctor and uh, they can take, take things a little farther.
0: What was that? So you, you did you say a PSA test? PSA test. Prostate-specific antigen.
7: And all it is is a blood test. You know, there, there is the physical exam, but the physical exam uh, doesn't necessarily always find cancer. Um Uh, For instance, the day I had my prostate removed, uh, the surgeon did a physical exam on me and he said, Ed, I know you've got prostate cancer, but I can't feel a thing. So, you know, for me, it was all about the PSA test and then having the biopsy.
1: It's amazing when you tell this, that, and you share some of those numbers and how it goes, that, that we're still working on the awareness because there's still so many men who won't go get that check. Like when you have this conversation with friends or you encounter people on the ride or, you know, even just strangers, do you still hear from them, oh, that's something they're not worried about or it's not on their radar and you try to encourage them why it should be?
7: Exactly. Uh, you know, I, I was fortunate. I was actually having a, a, a routine physical for pre-op cataract surgery. And uh, my doctor said, Ed, uh, you know, I haven't seen you for a couple of years. Do you mind if we do a complete physical on you? And I said, hey, doc, knock yourself out. I was healthy as a horse as far as I was concerned. And, uh, you know, you just don't know. And like I said, one in eight Canadian men. So, I mean, think of eight guys you know. One of them in all likelihood has prostate cancer and doesn't realize it.
0: So, are there other things that we can watch out for or, or pay attention to? Like you say that you didn't have any symptoms, but what what are some some potential warning signs that might make us want to go? Maybe I need to get to the doctor.
7: Well, it, it's it's I I would prefer men go and start getting a PSA test before they even have symptoms. But I mean, uh, you know, frequent urination, uh, uh, blood in your urine. Uh, you know that sort of thing but you know guys please please don't let it get that far you know if if you want to like nobody wants to have prostate cancer but if you're gonna get it you want it found early like that that you know that's in my case i had i was diagnosed and had my prostate removed in 2007 well here we are now in 2023 and i'm cancer free uh you know so it's critical it's critical that it's detected early
1: cancer free and trying to prevent others from even walking the journey that you did ed so of course the 15th annual ride for dad in manitoba takes place in may a fundraiser for prostate cancer research and education but you've got a campaign kickoff today at transcanada brewing so tell us what's going on
7: yeah we're we're down here getting set set up right now our media kickoff is today uh we'll have a number of speakers and uh you know, just just again, just another uh, thing to create awareness. Uh, the, obviously, the ride is on May twenty seventh this year. Uh, you can register or pledge a rider at ridefordad.ca/Manitoba. Uh, and uh, yeah, we're, we're getting we're getting things on the way. We've got a couple of beautiful motorcycles down here. Uh, you know, it's uh, gonna be a, gonna be a great day.
0: And Trans Canada Brewing as well. They're offering their support once again with uh, from what I can tell, not just one but two uh custom beers for you.
7: Yes. Uh Straight Pipe is out right now. Um, I believe there's gonna be another one coming out later. Uh but uh yeah. Uh yeah, come down to Trans Canada Brewing and and pick up some straight pipe. It's uh very drinkable.
0: And pardon me, I was part. I saw. I just. I. I quickly looked at their page and I saw two posts and I thought they were two different beers. But you're right. It's the Straight Pipe Blonde Ale. I've had it before. It's a great beer. Uh, and and so if you find that beer somewhere in a restaurant you like, the, the part of the proceeds will go towards this campaign. And Ed, before we let you go, I just wanted to mention this as well. Uh, and thank you for 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 speaking to us every year for leading this campaign because I think for a lot of guys. When it comes to their, you know, for men's health stuff, sometimes they might be embarrassed to even think about it. And I'll use myself as as an example. Five years ago, I had issues with my prostate and it caused some, and, you know, I'm not, this for some, maybe this will be a taboo word, but whatever. I had erectile issues just as I was beginning a new relationship. And that was super embarrassing but I, I had to deal with it. I had to find out what was going on. It wasn't cancer, but I did have problems with my prostate that landed, lasted for a while. But I'm not ashamed to talk about it. I'm not ashamed to say that I, had to, that I took Viagra it, because we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't shy away from talking about this and getting things taken care of.
7: No, uh, and, and kudos to you, Brett, you know, for, for being able to talk about it. Uh, a lot of guys, I mean, this sort of thing is taboo. We just don't want to go there. And, uh, but it's a reality. Um, you know, it's, you know, my dad always used to say growing old isn't for sissies. Uh, you know, we, we've got to, you've got to toughen up and, and, uh, get over some of our, some of our hangups and, uh, and, you know, help other guys.
0: Ed Johnner is the co-founder. He is the spokesperson for the Manitoba Motorcycle Ride for Dad. Ed, thank you very much for joining us this morning, and we'll see you on Saturday, May 27th at Polo Park. No, thank you guys so much for having me on. Fifteenth annual ride, and they have raised a lot of money three and a half million dollars so far in Manitoba and across the country. More than thirty three million dollars has been raised over the years, LeBren. So, and it's just it's just a fun event. Super
1: cool. Well, thank you to Ed for joining us as always, and to you for always being open with what you've been through. It's so helpful to others, Brett. And I need to know though. Have you ever been on a motorcycle? You love the sounds of them so much at this event.
0: No, I like, have. not Do you ever
1: ride? Yeah, it's so funny. Every year you're like, yes, the motorcycles, and then you walk home.
0: Yeah, my, mom- <laughs> <laughs> I would. My mom. I, I, I think it's probably just because when we were little, little kids, my mom said, "You're never getting yes. on a motorcycle," and and that sort of stuck with me. But uh, yeah, I'm always. And the bikes, they're so. They're so nice that people come out with some novelty stuff. They dress their bikes up. They dress up, wear costumes. It's just a great event. So that's on May 27th. Ridefordad.ca slash Manitoba for more information and to donate to this year's campaign. It is McGarry and McNabb Mackling back on Monday on this Silo Mission Radiothon Stories of Hope. We are asking you to tell us about a time that you helped somebody, whether it was a stranger on the street, helped push somebody out from the snow or whatever, um, for a chance to win Krista Berg tickets. We're giving away those tickets at 9.15 and we have uh, one listener here uh, with an interesting take on cash.
1: Yeah. So this listener says, I usually keep $5 bills on me. Throughout the day, I ask frontline service workers, has anyone told you you're doing a good job today? Most just laugh in my face and I proceed to tell them they are doing a great job. Hand them the fiver and say coffee's on me today. Their joy is amazing. Wow. How kind. And I do think that whole idea of even just saying something nice, you don't realize how... much someone might need in that moment just to even hear, hey, you're doing a good job or like, I like your shoes or you have great handwriting. It could be the most random compliment, but people enjoy it when they're told nice things. And I don't know if we do that often enough.
0: That's a great point. And even yesterday, I don't know what was was happening, but we had, uh, there were four police officers in the lobby here in our building. Um, I guess they came to check something out and I don't know, but they were, they were uh, working out whatever was happening and, I don't know about you, but any, I don't, and I have no idea why, but whenever I cross paths with a, with a cop, I sort of feel like don't do anything stupid. Don't do anything like, like, (laughs) I haven't done anything wrong and, but I'm somehow nervous. So then I, when I walked back into the building, I just looked at them and they looked at me and I just said, hi there. And they all said hello, and they seem to be happy to say hi. Um, maybe they're used to people saying other things to them. I don't know. But that's a great point, and, that, and what a great thought to actually go out of your way to keep $5 bills on you. And speaking of cash, uh, Jeff P., with the one that actually made me laugh, Lauren.
1: I found a wallet on the path to the beach one night while I was camping at Grand Beach. It had some cash in it, but I decided to take it to the campground office first thing the next morning. They checked its ID and said they knew who the camper was and took my name and info in case the person wanted to give me some type of reward for finding their wallet with multiple credit cards and quite a bit of cash. Long story short, says Jeff, the person claimed their wallet and was asked if they wanted to leave any reward and they said no. (coughs) Next time I'm keeping the cash... (laughs) says Jeff. Just kidding, but it was disappointing. I'm still glad I returned it.
0: (laughs) And that actually reminds me, uh, years ago, um, when I was just a little kid, it might have actually been even before I was born, but uh, somebody found my mom's wallet, and it was loaded with cash. And uh, she she was so thankful. And I think for several years, she bought him just a small Christmas gift, I remember driving driving over. To, he lived, I think, on Ravelston in T-Kona. No, he didn't live all that far uh, from where we lived. And, yeah, she'd drop off just a little gift as a reminder to say thanks. So,
1: Well, we used to, I mean, when we were younger, you know, traveling in your mom's era, too, You that's all you had was cash. And sometimes your wallet would be filled with it if you were going on a trip or you needed to go somewhere. I set my wallet with $600 of Chicken Terry's money in it because we were on our way to Ontario on top of the hood of the car no. in Michigan. And we drove away and all of a sudden I yelled, Mom! My wallet, and we stopped, looked on the hood. Of course, it's gone. Turned around and saw this guy in the ditch. Oh no! Like, and I ran right up and I said, "That's mine!" And he's like, "I was gonna return it." And I'm like, "To where?" Like, we were on <laughs> But of course, like I, you know, but I was so thankful because if he hadn't been there, I don't know how I would have maybe even found it in the ditch. But maybe he saw it fall off the car. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Oh my 600 goodness! Six hundred
1: bucks. Let me tell you, that is like thousands of chicken terry hours <laughs> back then. That's a lot of chicken breading.
0: Today is the Siloam Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon. To donate, you can call 1-844-9-SILOAM. That's 1-844-974-5626. Or go to siloam.ca slash radio. Now, the goal today is $25,000 and some context on that. That's the equivalent of more than 80 move-out kits, helping people to set up their new homes with stuff like dishes, linens, and essential items for living independently.
1: To help them get there, they might... Know this next guest, Kristen Kennedy, is the Transition Services Supervisor and joins us now. Good morning, Kristen.
8: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
1: Well, thanks for taking the time and thanks for all you do because, you know, we had talked to one of your colleagues earlier at 737 just about Mm -hmm. all the many different things Siloam does and the fact that people might not be thinking as much about the move from shelter to home, but Mm -hmm. that's a key role for what you do. So tell us a bit about that, what your job is. Yeah, absolutely.
8: So transition services helps uh, people to find housing first and foremost. So we work with people no matter where they're at. So I think my colleague mentioned that there aren't um, readiness requirements. So, for instance, we wouldn't ask somebody to be sober before they move into housing. We wouldn't ask them to have a job lined up. We recognize that, you know, people are able to move forward when they have that secure Base Right. And if you think about just practically for you, right, for you and for me, like if we don't get a good sleep in a place that we're comfortable, you know, like I'm getting old now, if like my pillow, you know, if I have like the wrong pillow or something, I can't sleep and I'm thrown off the next day. So that safe um, place, you know, where people can lock a door and feel comfortable. Is really important for them to go on and meet their other needs, and we certainly do help them meet other needs beyond housing as well. Um, We're helping people get their kids back from CFS care. Uh, We're helping people take care of their physical needs, their mental health needs, um, all sorts of things. So it's it's never boring and it's always different every day.
0: What is the process in terms of finding somebody, uh, like helping somebody find housing? What do you do for that?
8: Mm -hmm. So helping people find housing is uh, never easy. I thought that. I thought that there would be like a magic list when I joined the team. I'm like, okay, these are our places. But uh, it really is a lot of boots on the ground work for our caseworkers. So we have, um, I have a team of nine right now that I'm supervising. And so much of their job is following up on leads that they find, uh, building relationships with landlords. And if I may just do a shout out, if you are a landlord and you want to partner with us, um, We would love to hear from you. You can call Siloam, 204-956-4344, ask for Kristen Kennedy. I would love to speak to you about, yeah, the opportunities. But, yeah, it really is that partnering with landlords. We visit people in their homes. um, But making sure that they have the things they need. So an income, sometimes that means ID. um, Sometimes they need to have their taxes done to be able to, like, prove their uh, economic need if it's low-income housing. So lots of different factors as well.
1: It's just, a, it's just, you know, when you list all the things that you do and that you have to factor in, Christy, it must be so individualized to each person in terms of how you mm-hmm. might help them. And you reference kids there and helping people maybe connect with kids that are with CFS. Tell us a bit about mm-hmm. that reconnection because I know for many, you know, uh, if, you, if you're if you not with your family and feeling like you have that support of your family, it's hard to go to the next step.
8: Absolutely. And so lots of times people do tell us like that's a big motivator to get housing. And so, excuse me, a lot of times people come to us and they have been in care themselves or they've been in residential schools. And so that intergenerational trauma um, is still like widespread, right? And so we do have um, participants in our program who have their kids in care. We also have participants who have been able to get to a place where they're stable enough and they have adequate housing to be able to get their kids back in their care there's a lot of nuance in that system so a lot of um like you have to have adequate housing to get your kids back but you also have to have your kid in your care to be able to qualify for that level of housing and so it's a lot of back and forth and system navigation um helping people like liaise with with their cfs workers and say you know like and and really truly asking like where you know what's in the best interest of the child and a lot of times that is for to support biological families to be together and so that's that's a big one that I'm very passionate about And we're seeing a big up, uh, uptake of that uh, piece of our program as well
0: and another uh, g- aspect of helping with their transition is maybe getting them back to work and I think one of the unique mm-hmm. one of the many unique parts of silo mission is that your clients can can come in and go shopping for clothes how mm-hmm. important is that experience
8: Oh, my goodness. Yeah. We Asylum really tries to provide dignity in all we do. Right. And so if you're if you're going for a job interview and you just have the clothes that you've been wearing for a while now, right? Like everybody wants to try to look their best, make a good first impression. The clothing room is really important. Um, Our employment services or building futures program, they do a phenomenal job um, partnering with people, providing short term and long term um, employment supports, whether it's like resume writing, mock interviews to employment connections. Transition services really couldn't do what we do to the extent we do it without the other departments at Siloam. And I think that's the really unique thing about donating here is that, yes, your dollars go to feeding people and they also go to getting them employed, getting them housed, helping them get their kids back. And as donors, of course, it's hard to know what that all entails, but it's really nice to be able to share that with people that your dollars can be stretched so far here and, and that it really does have those impacts here on the daily
1: I'll never forget, and I've told this story often, but about meeting uh, one of the clients at Salem a few years ago. His name was Brian. He had wanted to get a job. He was looking for work. He was working through the transition program, but he also was stressed about his teeth, which when you you say it, it sounds not obvious, but he was really quiet, didn't smile a lot, was worried about Mm. going to the job interview. And then he got a whole new set of um not did dentures, or i 'm not really sure exactly what it was, but it really made yeah. a difference. and next thing you know he couldn 't stop smiling, and just that, that yeah. feeling that feeling like yourself is so mm-hmm. critical to the whole the whole journey. Totally. And I think so
8: often people here are surviving, right? Like, or barely, barely surviving. And so there's this phenomenon in society that people who have been the most harmed, the most oppressed, who've had the most trauma are often the ones who get the least support Mm -hmm. and help. And that's a really backwards concept, right? But we really try to try to meet as many needs as we can here and also really partner with community agencies who have other specializations to be able to get people's needs met in community. I really don't want people to be stuck here. I want them to, you know, make a life for themselves in community. And then, um, and yeah, we, we can support them after that as well. And, and just seeing them thrive, go from surviving to thriving is super important. And, and it's just been a really, uh, yeah, I've been here 10 and a half years and I wouldn't want to do anything else.
0: Kristen Kennedy is the transition services supervisor at Silo Mission. Thank you very much for joining us today and telling us about what you do. Thank you. Siloam Mission Stories of Hope Radiothon. To donate, you can call 1-844-9-SILOAM. That's 1-844-974-5626 or go to siloam.ca slash radio. The goal is $25,000. It goes until 6 p.m. on 680 CJOB, Power 97, and Peggy at 99.1. asking you to tell us about a time you helped somebody or maybe somebody helped you for a chance to win tickets for Christa Berg on this Silo Mission Stories of Hope Radio Day. And uh, one of our runners up here, Susan, says I was the recipient of help in 2006, 2007. I was the single mom of two school-age daughters. I was having chemotherapy and radiation for breast cancer. My friend, Rachel Monday." Executive director of Manitoba Marathon, by the way. Uh, True Giver arranged for her running group to provide meals to my family two to three times a week. It was so wonderful not to have to worry about meals when I was so fatigued. I appreciated it so much. These ladies helped me through a crucial time in my life, and I will never forget it. And I'm now celebrating 16 years cancer-free this May. Way to go, Susan.
1: Congrats to that. That's a big achievement, 16 years.
0: It's, uh, and again, once again, we're faced with a position where yes. that's a wonderful story, but it's not the winner because we can only pick one. And today we're going with Jan.
1: Jan says, one of my memories is from more than 40 years ago and the first Christmas since my mom had passed away. I was driving back to the city after spending Christmas with my dad. As I approached Gross Isle along Highway 6, I noticed a car parked off to the side of the highway. A man was waving. It was cold out and I trusted the Lord to protect me as I felt I had to stop. This man said he had been flagging cars down for a few hours and no one would stop. He felt it was because he was Indigenous. His car had broken down and he had his wife and young son with them. He looked discouraged and very cold.
0: So he asked if I could take his wife and son to her brother's place and someone would come back for him. I moved items around that I had brought back from my dad's to make room. I always traveled in the winter with a snack and a thermos of coffee. So I gave him that and a warm blanket for my emergency kit. I drove his family to their relatives for help. And when they found out who I was, they told my dad, what a wonderful person I was. My dad was the doctor who supplied medical services on their First Nation. I heard from them for years until they passed away. And this has always stuck with me and of how we should never judge because of race. And I'm still glad that I stopped. Thank
1: you, Jen, for sharing that. That was tremendous.
0: Just wonderful story. Thank you so much. The, The stories you share with us, uh, for the stuff that we bribe you with like we're really thankful that we get that we can bribe you for these awesome stories because you make our day you really do So congratulations Jan you're going to see Christaberg Centennial Concert all Saturday April 29th.